All right. The countdown was acting a little funny today. Um, it is July 12th. We are right at the beginning or middle, depending on how slow or fast your Scott Fishbowl draft is going. This is the SGPN Fantasy Podcast brought to you by WinBet. Um, the the On Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200. So you basically get all your money back times, times three. In, in free bets, bet win, uh, bet big, win bigger at WinBet. Download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. Uh, Ralph's got the Sleeper shirt on. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper. You get all your notifications on Sleeper. You hear what Michael F. Florio has got to say. Now you can win cold hard cash with our over and under game. Just head to sleeper.com backslash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com backslash SGP. And then don't forget about our Discord channel. Make sure you check out SGPN Discord, uh, the perfect place to interact, sweat the bets with the SGPN crew. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com backslash Discord. All right. Well, want to welcome Ralph back to the show. This is this, this has been good good times. This is three in two weeks, Ralph. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're rocking and rolling, baby. It's uh, it's NFL season. It's coming up. I feel like you know once once July really hits, that's when it hits, and it's like it's game time. So I mean, it's it's been great, man. It's been three times over the last two weeks, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Well, I appreciate it. Everybody, check out the sleeper shirt and a special guest on the show, Michael F. Florio, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, oh, even you. when it's baseball season. Uh, nice. But seriously, Mike is the best in the business. Mike, thanks for coming on again. Thank you so much for having me and, and for the very far too kind introduction. Uh, and just to get it out of the way, I told you before we recorded, but uh, where I normally record was a little occupied at the moment. So I'm in the, the spare room, but uh, so, so bear with me today. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. I don't have my kiddo here. He Usually he will interrupt or join the show, which is totally fine, but he is not with us today. So um, really just first want to check in on your Scott Fishbowl stuff. Some of us are, and I'm in round four. Sounds like Ralph is around five. Well, I'm in round five now. No, I'm, in, I'm still in round four. We're Ralph. in four. We're in four. And then I Mark, have a second pick, so. Two? I'm yeah. in round two. So, and, and Scott Fishbowl, it's, you, you have people playing bully ball with the quarterbacks, bully ball with the tight ends, people going RB heavy. I mean, have you seen anything crazy in either of your divisions? Mike, I'll let you go first. Uh, to me, the craziest thing was how un how how little quarterbacks were taken, especially in the the first round and a half. Like in some first rounds, I, I've seen like eight, nine, sometimes ten quarterbacks go. And in mine, we had one, two, three, four, five, six go in the first round, and then only one, two, three, four, five. Okay, so when it came to me. In the middle of the second round, Tom Brady was there. Aaron Rodgers was there. So I made the pick to go quarterback, and that was the right call because the first round didn't have a bunch. But since my Tom Brady pick, uh, we've now in third round. There's been eight picks since then. Seven have been quarterbacks. So it, it's helpful to me because I'm up in a couple of picks, and like all the running backs I considered in round two are there. All the receivers I considered are there. So – feel like I made the right call going quarterback heavy, but to me, that was the biggest surprise. The fact that Kyler fell to seven and then that Tom Brady was available in the middle of the second round. Yeah, my, my group was thirsty for quarterbacks. We had seven to start off and then Jonathan Taylor in the eighth. Fifteen out of the first 20 picks were all quarterbacks. And so I was staring at the, the 212, knowing there's a third round reversal. And I had Josh Allen already on on the team. And I went with Austin Eckler and I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm starting each of these rounds. I'm going to start the wave. And so that's what happened after my, my Eckler pick, which was the, the third running back off the board, nine running backs fell after. And oh my after God. my Josh Allen pick, six quarterbacks went right after. And of course, like I said, 15 out of 20. Mm-hmm. So what did I do this round? I went with Dalton Schultz to, to start the tight end run, hopefully get some of these tight ends that I was really not interested in off the board and hoping that these receivers come back to me. Some of the guys that we are going to talk about tonight, I'm not going to mention names, but they are definitely uh, almost all of these guys are guys that I'm hoping get back to me at the, the next turn. 
Uh, Ralph, what about you? The biggest one was I was not so I did a bunch of mocks. I like to I like to say I I got ready for this, but there's no real way to get ready for this. You know, you just got to go with however your draft falls to you. That's what you're going to get. The hand that you're dealt is going to be what you're playing with. And so in all the mocks that I did, not once did I get Jamar Chase. And so I I was just telling you guys earlier is my strategy after last year's Scott Fishbowl was I need to get two quarterbacks. That's it. Like I, I'm starting off one and two with quarterbacks. That, that's going to be my goal. And that changed. Um, that changed immediately. So seeing Jamar Chase, um, it was incredible. The first wide receiver wasn't taken until 206. Um, and obviously that was Cooper Cup. And it was just it was it was crazy to see the wide receivers falling as far as they did. And so um, was pleasantly surprised and, and excited to get Jamar Chase with 211. And then um, on the way back, it was it was nice to see um, still some depth around the wide receivers. So um, I went I went A.J. Brown along with Saquon. So it's, it, it's looking good. It's looking it's looking it's looking good. Yeah, I, I think there's only six receivers off the board and we're, you know, starting the, the fourth round for mine. So. Receivers are falling, but let's not forget, we do have to start three receivers. So uh, I'm not going to fully punt that position. Mike, Ralph, anything else about Scott Fish before we get uh, get on to the main event? Uh, just one thing uh, on your receiver point. We hosted a live uh, SFB draft the other day on Sunday on, on SiriusXM. And the receivers, the first four or five rounds, I think there was like 15 taken. And then in the five rounds after that, there was something like, 30 taken or something like that. So once that receiver run happens, it's going to happen fast, I think. Perfect. And so we're going to prepare you guys for that because we got breakout candidates. These are all guys that are going to be falling in that range or maybe even a little bit deeper. But before we go to that, I do want to make sure to remind you guys again about WinBet. Make sure you get down on win wins. Bet 50 to win 200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for $200 in free bets. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but I did this. I did it around the Super Bowl, and it was awesome. Bet 50 bucks, lost it, got $200 in free bets, turned around, won some money on the Super Bowl. Um, If you're betting baseball, you have to check out WinBet. They're reduced juice in baseball games, makes them the best place to get MLB. And then don't forget about the ultimate fantasy football experience. If you bet 500-plus on sports or casino before July 31st, 2022, you get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Wynn Resorts for you, Ralph, Mike, and your entire league. Now, just kidding. Your, your entire league, multiple entries are allowed. So if you bet 1000 bucks, then you get two entries. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where Win. Bet where playthrough win bet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1 800 522 4700. All right. So, Mike, you're the special guest. You're going to go first. And this guy, a lot of people have been talking about Mr. Michael Pittman Jr. Let's hear about him. Well, I think the breakout for Michael Pittman Jr. really happened last season. He, he showed us that he could play at a very high level. Um, I had him on a bunch of my fantasy teams. I, I, from the middle of the year on, I was basically starting him every single week. To me, that's like a breakout, but I think he's going to take an even further breakout step this past season. Uh, and so much of it is because of the quarterback upgrade. One, the, the Colts, naturally, when you're led by Carson Wentz and you have Jonathan Taylor there, they skewed more run-heavy last season than they have in years past. Uh, Phillip Rivers, whoever was the quarterback, they threw more than they did last year. So we could see an uptick in passing. But even if we don't see a huge uptick there, I just expect more volume to go Michael Pittman Jr.'s way. Last season, he had 26% of their targets and 30% of their receiving yards, both of which ranked inside the top 10. But Carson Wentz only threw out wide on 39% of his routes, uh, of his throws, where Michael Pittman Jr. ran 81% of his routes out wide. The, the upgrade from Matt Ryan isn't just that there'll be higher quality targets. Matt Ryan also throws out wide 6% more often than Carson Wentz did last season. And then you're talking about a Colts team that lost T.Y. Hilton. They, I, I know they drafted Alec Pierce. Uh, th- their tight end depth isn't what it w- used to be. Like Someone is going to have to vastly step up and take, away, take a lot of targets, and, and it's going to be Michael Pittman Jr., I think. I, I think 
Uh, right now, I'm drafting him inside the top 15, and I, I certainly think top 10, if not higher, is a very realistic outcome for Michael Pittman Jr. this week, this season. Yeah, no, I love that, and I love the the breakdown between, you know, uh, it was kind of a mini breakout. He showed consistency, but he wasn't, you know, an elite uh, fantasy player, and, and he is definitely someone that you could you could see go in the, the wide receiver one range. Uh, let me ask you about this. So I know, you know, the Deshaun Watson news is looming. Will Fuller is out there. Will Fuller, you know, he was good a couple years ago, but obviously we haven't seen much since. What do you think, you know, about the Colts? Do you think there's a potential that they could add a Will Fuller or a Julio Jones? And if they did, how would that affect Michael Pittman's outlook? Uh, I, I I keep thinking that those guys are going to end up elsewhere. The Colts are a spot that makes sense. And that would obviously impact the volume that can go Michael Pittman's junior way. What it could do, though, if you have a field stretcher like Will Fuller opposite of him, uh, that's going to take the safety and other defensive attention more onto the other side of the field, which helps open the open up space for Michael Pittman Jr. But he is a contested catch monster. Uh, he, he's a good downfield uh, target in his own right. I, I'm hoping that nothing changes with the Colts. And, and if it does, uh, a Julio or a Will Fuller, I think, dings the value of Michael Pittman a bit, but not where like I'd be pulling him outside my top 20 or anything like that. Absolutely. And, and I guess OBJ would be another another potential. All right. Yeah, I, I don't think we see OBJ, though, maybe at all this year. Maybe at the very least, probably not till like late November, December. Yeah. yeah, I think he could sign on to a playoff contender once they need that that wide receiver depth towards the end of the season. And that's kind of where we see him come into play. But I agree with you there. Yep. All right. Anything else on Michael Pittman? All right. We're going to go to the, the next guy. This is Ralph's. Rashad Bateman. Let's talk about it. Rashad. He was personally my wide receiver two coming out of the draft last year behind Jamar Chase. And, and I loved Bateman for a lot of reasons. Um, his college profile actually suggested that he was going to kick some, some ass in the NFL. And I think obviously he started the season off on the injury report. He started off the, you know, the season, I, I think it was an, uh, an abdominal injury that he had. So it was limiting his play just a little bit, but when he started, he was actually able to be very effective. Um, and we saw his usage kind of really start to go up just a little bit. So, um, Obviously, towards the end of the season, the last five weeks of the season, he averaged 86% snap count um, out there on the field. And that's obviously including with Marquise Brown out there, with Mark Andrews, and a non-Lamar Jackson Baltimore offense. And so I think all that being said, and Brown, Marquise Brown actually leaving, of course, opens up the field for him. A 23% target share for Brown last season. Watkins is gone. That's a total of 195 targets combined between those two. They've got to go somewhere. And I think with Dobbins, actually, if he can, I love Dobbins and I hope he can come back healthy and I hope they don't rush him back. But with Dobbins coming back and, and him being able to really establish that ground game, I think that really does help Bateman. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping to see some big things from him this year. And I think um, I haven't projected at a little bit over a thousand yards. I'm hoping he can blow my expectation out of the water. But um, that's kind of what I'm hoping for from Bateman. Mike, what are your thoughts about Rashad Bateman? Uh, I like Rashad Bateman. I have him as like a borderline uh, wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. Um, I, I completely understand all the excitement around him. He is a tremendous talent, one that Lamar Jackson has never really played with someone of, of his capabilities. Yeah. My only pause is, one, I think with the running backs being returning and, and Hopefully, like hopefully for the start of the season, uh, with all the work that the Ravens put in to revamp their O line, I think they're gonna go back to kind of what they were pre twenty twenty one, maybe a little bit more passing than we saw then. Uh, but my issue with the Ravens is a thirty percent target share on on Baltimore is equivalent to like twenty percent on another team. Uh, so so that is my only concern. But I I, I almost considered Bateman as one of my breakouts too. I, I have him on another breakout list. I did. I really like him and the talent. The only concern I have is the offense he's in. Yeah, and I'm a big Bateman fan as well. And the the one problem with you know Twitter and, and guys like like Michael Florio putting out content is everybody hears it and then the ADP rises. So you know you're not getting these breakouts at a at a cheap cost. Like you're gonna pay for Rashad Bateman, and I think that would be my my only concern with him. Um, I do love the offensive line changes. I love 
Tyler Lindenbaum, he, he's one of my favorite prospects, and I think he fits that offense perfectly. At a mock there, I was just like dreaming of him going to the Ravens. And, and Morgan Moses, I thought, was a an underrated signing. Villanueva was great when he was great, but he was terrible last year. There's a reason why the terrible Steelers offensive line let him walk. He's not, he wasn't playing well. Well, he went over the Ravens, and the Ravens, they, they lost, you know, not only him, but then they had injuries to the offensive line, and they shipped their other guy up to Kansas City. They're, they're going to be back to establishing the run. Um, it's not going to be a large um, piece of pie, but I, I do think, you know, there's just there's not a lot of mouths to feed over there. I don't know who the second receiver is going to be. They're someone that's been rumored to get another person. Um, I don't think my, they know who their wide receiver too yeah, is. Do you think it's gonna, I've heard some good things about James Prochet out there coming from the, you know, the beat writers and things like that. Devin Duvernay. I mean, obviously Bateman's the number one, but, um, and I don't think the other guys gonna be viable starters. Um, but Mike, do you have a sense of who kind of might be the number two other than Mark Andrews, the obvious? Uh, yeah, Andrews is the number one, I would say. I think uh, Bateman yeah. is the number two. But of, of receivers, as of now, I'm thinking Devin DuVernay. Um, Julio Jones is one name, though. I, I, I will not cross off of that list. Uh, him going to a contender is what makes the most sense. I, I don't think he'd want to play uh, for Baltimore, all things being equal. I think he'd rather go somewhere where he's going to be asked to block less and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I could see them going after one of these veterans that are available. But I think more than likely, we might just see Duvernay. Like, there was years where they just threw out Willie Sneed as their wide receiver, too, and it, and it was effective for them. Yep. Oh, the, the Sneed days. <laughs> Sneed days. Sneed days. So um, a, a smart man once said, you know, 30% on the Ravens is like 20% on another team. And, you know, Marquise Brown was that 30%. Now he's over on the Cardinals. He's with his boy, Kyler Murray. And I absolutely love this. Uh, you know, Marquise Brown feels like he's been in the league for a long time. He's still just 25 years old. Fantastic dynasty prospect. And because of his size, people don't get as excited about him. So the value is still there. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's also got a six-game suspension. Possibly could be reduced. Um, but you're talking about a big piece of big pizza out there. Like this is a large target share. He goes from the Baltimore Ravens to a, a fast pace, one of the highest pace of play teams with one of the most creative play callers and a, a, a quarterback that he's already has chemistry with. Um, I just, I love the fit. I think Hollywood, very similar to what Mike said with Michael Pittman. He was a consistent player at the end of the year last year. And some, you know, could call that a breakout. But I think he can really break out in this offense. And, uh, you know, for the first six weeks, he is going to be the number one target getter. And he could be the number one target getter for the entire season. Even when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, Hopkins has been banged up. And we've seen it plenty of times where these guys either sit out training camp, have a suspension or whatever. They come back. First thing that happens, soft tissue injury. So, um, you know, I just I think Marquise Brown is going to be a lock there. And I expect them to lock him up for a long-term contract here soon. Uh, Mike, am I wrong? What, what are your thoughts on Marquise Brown? You are not wrong at all. I have Marquise Brown as a top 20 receiver. I'm excited for him. And, and everything you said is correct. Like, first of all, much better system. He goes from one that uh, is going to run the ball so much to now one that is going to be a pass-first offense, uh, just more routes to be ran there, more targets. And the biggest thing, though, is that as good as Lamar Jackson is, his biggest weakness is on the long ball. Whereas Kyler Murray is really, really effective on throwing the deep ball. In fact, last season, 19% of Marquise Brown's routes were of 20 plus air yards, of his targets, I mean, were of 20 plus air yards. And on passes like that last season, uh, Kyler had a 111 rating with a 47% completion percentage whereas Lamar was at 63.8 percent rating with a 29 percent completion so uh just the offense alone should boost him and, and the better deep ball passer like this is what I say about Marquise Brown he doesn't have to look like your traditional x wide receiver one to be a fantasy wide receiver one Ralph anything on Marquise no I I really enjoyed him on the Ravens and I kept telling myself throughout the years I wish he was on another team where they could maximize him and so when I saw that trade go down I was very excited to kind of see it. And then obviously that OU connection that they have is is it's going to spark back up. We saw it last year with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, and I'm, I'm excited to see these guys on the same field again. And how about this picture? It's a great one. It's a great one. Amazing. All right. 
So um, next one. So uh, Gabe Davis or Kadarius Tony, Mike, who would you like to talk about first? I'll go with Kadarius Tony first because uh, I could talk about Kadarius Tony for the rest of the episode. Like you guys could just, you know, <laughs> I, I have an article on rotoballer.com where I, I go deep into why I think Kadarius Tony is a, uh, is a breakout candidate this season. But even since I wrote that, first of all, the, the argument is, uh, I think the Giants are going to have an offense where they're looking to get the ball out of the hands of Daniel Jones quickly. I, I think Kadarius Tony is their best bet to do that. Uh, watching film of him, there's not many people in this planet who have his combination of speed and quickness. In fact, I don't want to compare him to Tyreek Hill, but when he has the ball in his hands after the catch, that is who my mind kept thinking of. And then uh, for you stat people out there, I went back and I looked at all the receivers who averaged 2.2 yards per route run or higher. Uh, they all averaged, uh, all topped a thousand yards. And it, it, if they had uh, uh, 80 targets, I believe. And if you bring that down even a little bit, they all topped 800 yards. And 800 yards last year was enough for you to be a top 30 wide receiver. He's going well outside the top 40. And I think his upside is far higher than that. If he could actually find the end zone uh, and the Giants, you know, try to get him the ball in space, like I, I, I think they're going to, I think that he could be a wide receiver too, if not higher, and you're paying borderline wide receiver four price to get him. Yep. Yeah, you had a combination of Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens, which, um, you know, obviously they're much better offensive coordinators than I am, but I would not say that they were, um, you know, elite offensive play callers and um I, I, you get a huge upgrade at that position huge upgrade to the offensive line and most of the time Kadarius Tony was on the field it was Mike Glennon throwing the ball mm-hmm. um and I know everyone points that Cowboys game and says oh it was just one game and it was just in garbage time anyone that is a Giants fan and had to suffer through all the games last year saw like I saw the the week after that and he had you know had, had a double wrapped ankle and went out there and the first four plays, they hit him. He yep. had four catches, 60 yards, looked – I'm like – I went and made like massive dynasty trade in like the first quarter. And then he went went out for an injury, and then they, they kind of saved him the rest of the year. Wasn't that he was – he was hurt, but they, they saved him the rest of the year. They shut everybody down. Here's – to highlight that game and say – people could say it's a fluke. Uh, going back since – since 2000 so the last 22 years there's been 10 times a rookie receiver has topped 180 yards jamar chase is two of them uh justin blackman we never saw year two for him anquan bolden hall of famer mike evans future hall of famer rod gardner he flamed out but he had a couple thousand yard seasons after that juju Kadarius tony keelan cole odell beckham jr so either you believe Kadarius Tony is the biggest fluke like Keelan Cole, or this guy is going to be a very good receiver at the NFL level? Yep. Well, I, I'm gonna, I'm definitely picking him up in my draft. I got a whole bunch of them on my roster. And, uh, you know, it, it, the more Mike talks about him, the more I get excited as a Giants fan. Um, for <laughs> yeah, that, that was music to death. I saw Dave's eyes just light up every time he went <laughs> Yeah, those, uh, it was just bigger and bigger. And everyone wants to point to Wandale Robinson and say, like, the new regime came in to replace him. And I completely disagree. I, I think that they're replacing Sterling Shepard, who's an expensive – the Giants have the fourth most expensive receiver room, and it is definitely not the fourth best. Um, so they have to get rid of some of these pieces. And, you know, Shepard's coming off an Achilles injury. He's getting a little bit older. Tony can play in the slot. Wando Robinson can play in the slot. It just makes no sense for them to hang on to, to a, a slot receiver that costs that much when they have electric players like a Wando Robinson and a Kadarius Tony. And they also have Kenny Galladay on the squad and they are, they are married to Kenny Galladay for a couple of years for how much money they gave that man. That was Dave Gettleman's parting gift to the giants was uh, marrying Kenny Galladay for a while. Um, but yeah, I, I love Kadarius Tony, and I think the value again is you know where it comes down to where you're not having to pay some of these prices for some of these other guys. Anything else on Tony before we move on? No. So I didn't. I, I got to convert every picture to a PDF to make it a slide. So that's the end of the slides. Um, Elijah Moore, let's talk about it. Elijah Moore, I 
I'm very big on Elijah Moore, and I was his rookie season as well. I think there's a lot to be excited about there with the Jets. Um, we saw some of the key additions that the Jets did on that offense over this offseason, whether it was in the draft or whether it was in free agency. But I think what they did on offense was obviously to tailor to to Zach Wilson. Um, and I think they they want to see what he's got, and I think this is the year to prove it. And and Elijah Moore also battled some injuries early off in the season, uh, wasn't getting exactly the target share that we saw him get kind of when he started to dominate when he was wide receiver four during weeks eight through 13. And, and that's kind of what I want to highlight a little bit. I know a lot of people refer to this, but I think it is impressive when you look at some of the numbers that he was putting up. His target share in those weeks was eight. I'm, I'm sorry, it was. Yeah, it was. It was eight, six, 11, eight and 12. Now, when you're looking at that and the targets that he was receiving, he started to get more comfortable in that offense, and you could see it. He started to really kind of just showcase what he's got, that speed. He was able to break away from it and, and kind of what made him so popular at, at the college level. You started to see it at the pro level. And so I think that's really what's exciting for Elijah Moore. Zach Wilson started to throw the ball a lot more towards the end of the season. He started getting more comfortable. I think that's what we kind of start to see as well um, from, from him this offseason. And obviously, you know, you add – Garrett Wilson to that offense. You add Brees Hall to that offense. There's a lot of more pieces than just Elijah Moore. And it really does open up the field for him and, and everybody on that offense. So it's something to be excited about. I mean, I'm hoping for him this year that he's able to use Garrett Wilson as an advantage to kind of free up and open up that field. So it's, it, it should be exciting to see him on that field. That's, that's one of my guys too. Mike, your thoughts on Elijah Moore? I before at the end of last season, I wrote an article like players to buy back in on, and Elijah Moore was a big, big part of that. Um, but what it so what's changed is the Jets have added new targets and they use the top 10 pick on Garrett Wilson. I, I love the talent of Elijah Moore. Um, but my thinking has just been is that the volume going to be so much in Moore's favor that it warrants three, four rounds? go of him going earlier ahead of Garrett Wilson. So my approach with the Jets guys, as much as I love more, I actually did draft more on one of my best ball teams earlier today. Um, but that was just to get a little bit of exposure. My, my approach has been like, I'll wait and I'm okay taking Garrett Wilson. But even more than that, give me Zach Wilson. And then I get all of these receivers without having to worry if I pick the right one. Dude, I, that's super smart. Um, and, and one of the things that I like that the Jets did, and I'm a big offensive line guy, and you look at these quarterbacks and you see, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, they talk about, oh, Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs. We also had Mitch Morris, you know, like when they add an offensive lineman, specifically a center, uh, you know, that really helps them. That it keeps mm -hmm. them, keeps people out of their face. It's maybe not as important as a tackle, but actually right now it's just as important to tackle in my eyes because everyone has, everyone's trying to get the next Aaron Donald. They want to create pressure up the middle and look, Kyler Murray last year, he played phenomenal. He had Rodney Hudson for half the year, the second half that they were pretty bad. Rodney Hudson got hurt and they had Max Garcia, the third guard at center. So there's a huge, you know, so they, they, the interior offensive line with um, Vera Tucker, as well as uh, Mitch Petrus, uh, I believe they also got another offensive lineman. And then, you know, you're looking at um, George Fant played well last year. Becton's coming back with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, um, so it, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, all of it has to do with can the quarterback and a lot of receivers, you know, I have my, my dynasty rankings and that's a whole nother show, but that every receiver in like the top 15 minus like three guys has a huge quarterback question. And so, like, with Wilson and Elijah Moore, can they both be fantasy viable, or is it just going to be one? It's going to be a, a big question out there. For me, I'm, I'll take the cheaper guy, or now I'm thinking go the Zach Wilson route and just uh, avoid the, the struggles. Um, the, the next guy I wanted to talk about was uh, CeeDee Lamb. And so CeeDee Lamb, and the reason I put him in the breakout is because everyone trashes him every time I throw it out there that he's number four in my dynasty rankings or I throw a, a thread out there and people vote him as the number three dynasty receiver. And there's all the people that say he's not done anything. Okay. Well, if he's not done anything, then I can use him as a breakout candidate. And I think he is going to break out this year. Okay. I think he's can be a top five receiver. When I look at someone, uh, I, I want to have a, a productive offense. That's going to have a high pass volume, probably 600 plus targets check. He's got a good quarterback check. He doesn't – like, you want to have somebody to draw some coverage away, and I think they have that with Michael Gallup. 
you know, Jalen Tolbert, Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to have, you know, he's the running game helps them. And, you know, they're in a weak division. No offense to my Giants, but they are in a weak division. So I think that, you know, the, the sky's the limit for CeeDee Lamb. Um, he looks jacked up. He looks like he's been hitting the weights pretty well. And, you know, rookie receivers, we've been spoiled a lot with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and even CeeDee Lamb. But traditionally, third-year breakouts is kind of where it happens. It's not always so soon. He's been pretty damn good the last couple of years. He's just been overshadowed by Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. He's been good. He's getting better. Amari Cooper's out of town. Sign me up for CD. Mike, what are your thoughts? I love CD Lamb. I, I've been high on CD Lamb since he came into the league a couple years ago. Uh, you say he could finish as, as a top five wide receiver. I have him ranked as the wide receiver six uh, coming into this season. I, I think just he has shown us over the first two years of his career that he can play at a very high level in his NFL career. Now he's going to get a huge boost in volume. I I keep saying it. I'm in full agreement with you. I think this is the top 10 year for CD lamb that we've been waiting on. I think we were a little bit too early uh, the the last couple of years uh, expecting that big of a jump. I mean, his rookie year, we were drafting him outside the top 40, so we didn't expect that. But last year we were hoping he'd become a wide receiver one for the first half of the year. He looked like it. Then a lot of targets, a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. A lot of it is gone, though. I, I think CeeDee Lamb, this is the year we're going to look back and be like, man, I'm so happy I trusted CeeDee Lamb again. Yeah, I was really hoping to get him in Scott Fish. Um, but he went – him and Diggs went right before for my pick. Ralph, you're going to say something about your boy CD? I was. I was going to say. I And so, obviously, it pains me to say, but I'm a Cowboys fan, so – when when I see CD Lamb and, and some of the pieces there, I think there's obviously Dave with with what we're going to talk about, and I know we're going to talk about rookies in just a little bit, but um, that offense has the the power to make CD Lamb a top five, and, and I think with the pass attempts that Dak will do in that offense and the way it is, I think CD is is more than capable of handling that workflow, and, and I'm super excited to see him, and I think um, people will be pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. And so he talked nicely about Kadarius Tony for me, you know, and I obviously just, I scouted Mike's rankings before I picked my breakout candidates. Um, so <laughs> I knew he wouldn't, wouldn't uh, be, be wrong. Uh, so let's talk about sleeper before we get to the rest. Uh, now on to sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product. Unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on sleeper too by playing their new over-under game. Super simple. First, in any sport, you choose two or more players that you like and pick the over and under, for example, number of points in basketball, number of hits in baseball, number of catches in football. Then you choose the amount of money that you want to enter. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times or to 20 times your money. So if you get two correct, maybe it's two times. If you get five correct, then you get 20 times your money. The main reason I'm excited about over-under on Sleeper is is that it's only it's the only app where I can join my buddies contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks within a tap of a button. It's insanely fun and we can write it out together. Stop what you're doing and download download Sleeper now to play their over under game, have fun with your friends and make some money. Um, also want to mention our listener league. Uh, you go to sleeper.com backslash SGP and Sleeper automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join our squad and get the 100%, 100% deposit match at sleeper.com backslash SGP. All right. So, again, I, I want to speed this up a little bit, um, make sure we're, we're good on everyone's time. Um, Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is someone that on Twitter you either are the guy that is sick of seeing so much about Gabe Davis, so now you um, – you know, don't like him, or you're just absolutely excited about Gabe Davis. Mike, uh, you got him as a breakout candidate. Yeah, I'm a Bills fan, so no surprise there. Uh, the, the most <laughs> frustrating part of the Bills season last year was them using Emmanuel Sanders over Gabriel Davis. And, and I was saying that from before, like when they signed Emmanuel Sanders, I was like, this doesn't make sense. They have a player in Gabe Davis. And I mean, he's shown us that in limited bursts, that he can be a good deep threat for them, that he is a great red zone presence for the Bills. Oh, and he has one of the best quarterbacks throwing him the ball in one of the best offenses. To have two top 24 wide receivers 
you basically need to be a top five offense. I feel good that the Bills are going to be that. And just one quick stat on Gabriel Davis. Since 1950, there's eight players in the history of football to say they have a game with over 200 receiving yards and four or more receiving touchdowns. There is one player ever alive in the history of the NFL who could say they did that in the playoffs. It is Gabriel Davis. I'm sorry. I know we could say one big game, one big game. It was the biggest game of the year for the Bills against the Chiefs that came down to the wire, and this man was the one stepping up time and time again. I don't know why that will change suddenly with him getting more volume. Yeah, and he's an underrated follow on TikTok. Just putting that out there. <laughs> um, he's he's him and Dawson Knox are like best buds, and uh, they're on TikTok. It's super fun. Uh, Ralph, what are your thoughts about about Gay Davis? Oh man, if for for my followers, they know exactly how I feel about him. I was huge on him last year. Before it was cool to be huge on him. Um, and and I mean, I'm right there with you, Mike. I th- I saw the potential in him, even his rookie season. Um, and, and kind of what he was able to put up and the, and the touchdown to your point, the, the touchdown efficiency that he does put up in the red zone and the presence that he has, I expected a nice year or two from him. And when Emmanuel Sanders signed and then there was a lot of moving pieces, I, I just, I, and, and Cole, and Cole Beasley was also making an impact there. And I just said, well, maybe, uh, every now and then he'll have a game. And that's exactly what was happening every now and then we'd see glimpses of him. I mean, he started the season off with a touchdown and I said, Oh yeah, baby, here's the breakout. Here it is. Um, but we didn't see much after that until the playoffs. And so I, I'm really excited about Gabriel Davis. I'm probably, like I said, I, I mean, I've been big on him since his rookie season. So I, I love him and that's all I'll say. Yeah. And, and I'll just, I'll shout out Mike again. Cause one of the things that I, I loved on Sundays was, you know, after the one o'clock games, he's throwing out like the, the running back shares, you know, you're seeing what the touch percentages were. And like, that was one of my favorite things to to look at. And when you're kind of predicting how these guys are going to perform there, it's opportunity is really kind of one of the underlying things you're looking for. So, you know, I always, you know, had the notification set and I was waiting for him to come out because then, you know, I'm writing my articles or I'm talking on Monday about it. That's what I'm looking for. Like, I don't want a guy that was a good fantasy producer because he had two touches and he scored a touchdown. I want to see someone that's getting, you know, 50, 60% of the, the target share. And with Gabe Davis, one of the most frustrating things was you're looking at snap counts and going, why is this the guy not on the field? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so this year we're going to see those snap counts go up. He's going to have a big opportunity. Um, speaking of a big opportunity and a, uh, you know, changing of the offense, Jerry Judy. Let's talk about it. Yes. Uh, I can kick it off because I, I put Jerry Judy on this list. I, I'm cautiously optimistic about Jerry Judy. And, and, and obviously, um, I think it's been, what, third, third year now removed from that. And I think, I mean, it's, we haven't seen much at all from Jerry Judy in his first couple seasons in the, in the NFL. But he's got the profile to do something. And so I think if I'm looking at the optimistic side of this I, and looking at we know what Russell Wilson can do. We know he can he can help produce two top 24 wide receivers in the NFL. He did it consistently with DK and Tyler Lockett. And, and obviously, when you look at Cortland Sutton, he's going to get his fair share. But I also think Judy is going to get his fair share this year. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Russell Wilson can do there and, and, and that whole offense and really tailor that offense to what Russell Wilson can do. And, I mean – and, and it's not much to say, but I mean, even in that first game before Judy got hurt, he was looking good. He he was getting the targets. He, he was the Giants. He was, there you go. So David was hurting you, but <laughs> I I was loving it because I mean, last year I drafted Judy on a lot of teams. And I mean, as I mentioned, he goes from a huge QB upgrade and to, and to have Russell Wilson in that offense. I, I, I see Russell Wilson throwing it a, a bunch of times this season. And so it's, it's exciting to see. So, I mean, I'm, I'm in on Jerry Judy and, and, if he lets me down one last time, that's it. I'm calling it quits. I, I That's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm just glad that the legal stuff was nothing as we expected it to be because yep. that would have been terrible, you know, for him to finally get Russell Wilson, finally get a good outlook, and then to have something like that happen, and it was all just bogus. Mike, what are your thoughts on Jerry Judy? I, I've been huge on his talent since he's come into the NFL. I was all in on him last year. That, that high ankle sprain really – derailed a lot and I think to me the hardest conundrum this season is deciding which Broncos receiver you want to to be on I wanted to be on Jerry Judy's side 
And then now it seems like the masses are on Cortland Sutton. So his ADP is going up while Jerry Judy's is starting to come down. Uh, that just makes it ensures that I will be, if I draft either one of those two, it will be Jerry Judy. Cause the thing I hear, I hear, look at what Cortland Sutton did when Jerry Judy didn't play. But what I never hear from the Sutton truthers are Cortland Sutton was on a milk carton every game that Jerry <laughs> Judy did play because he dominated snaps, routes, targets, mm-hmm. all of that. So maybe not snaps, but everything else. Uh, so, yeah, to me, I know it's a new coach. It's a new quarterback. But the fact that they were so invested in Judy and pushing him has to mean something. Yep. Yeah, and, and I am, you know, all the people that are hating on Russ Wilson, I, I hate the fact that he gets so much hate for how poorly he played at the end of the season last year because he came back. Really, like, there was no reason for him to come back. Like, they didn't really weren't going to do anything. But they were like, this could be a three-month injury. He came back in, like, four weeks. And then he played terrible. And so people are like, well, Russ is inconsistent, yada, yada. I'm just, I'm not believing that. This guy was at playing at an MVP level before he got hurt. I, I think Russell Wilson's going to do well. They got the, the running game. They got a solid defense. Offensive line is a little shaky. But um, love the weapons and and yeah, Jerry Judy's uncatchable target rate um, for his career is just it's crazy. This guy has not had uh, like any type of quality targets, and if he gets quality targets and he sucks, then I'm wrong and I'm fine with that. But when, I, I just cannot blame a guy that has has not done well in a situation like it was. And like Mike said, those high ankle sprains. It sucks. And we saw it with Saquon. I mean, it's just, if it happens in the middle of the season, beginning of the season, it really can, you know, deter everything. Yep. So, um, so we got through all of, all of your breakout candidates. My last one is Alan Lazard. And again, these are candidates. So you're looking at situations where this could happen. Could Alan Lazard go out there and, and, and be kind of like, like Juju where Antonio Brown was gone. So Juju's going to be great. And then he didn't really do anything. Maybe Lazard gets number one corners and sucks. But at the end of the day, I'm going to bet on the fact that he's got a relationship with Aaron Rodgers that no one else on that roster except for, you know, no one else on the roster has. You know, Robert Tunyon might start the, the year off on the, on the PUP. Um, you got Amari Rodgers is kind of a, an interesting piece on that offense. But uh, Lazard is their best run blocker. This is going to be a run first team. He's going to get that that's snap percentage that I'm looking for. And if this, when this guy is healthy points per game, he's been solid. And I'm hoping that, you know, maybe Sammy Watkins can draw some coverage away from a little bit. Maybe they do go after a Julio or something like that. I wouldn't hate that for Lazard. Um, But I think if, you know, if we get a 16 game season out of Lazard with Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's going to have a good year and you're not having, again, you're not having to pay up for it. You're paying wide receiver three, cost for someone that could be the number one receiver on the green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. sign, sign me up for that. Um, he's, you know, he's a big body, you know, it could be a good red zone target. Um, I do think Aaron Jones might technically be the wide receiver one there, but, um, I do, I do like me some Alan Lazard. Um, Mike, am I crazy? You're not crazy. My issue with Lazard, like he is the Packers receiver. I like the most, but my issue with him is we're purely relying on volume. Like, I, I don't think any of us truly believe that Alan Lazard uh, should be anywhere close to a team's wide receiver one. Um, so my fear is that, one, the volume isn't what we expect it to be for him. Or two, I'm still holding out hope that the Packers are the destination for Julio Jones uh, or, yeah. like, uh, Will Fuller. Because if one of those guys go there, it, it, it's downhill fast for Alan Lazard. But as everything is currently constructed, I completely get why people are excited. Yeah, I think if if we get news that Deshaun Watson gets a 9 or 10 game suspension, Will Fuller goes to the Packers instantly. Uh, I just I, I don't know if they're doing that or not. Maybe that's just all in my head. But, you know, Will Fuller's agent is not going to want him to go to the Browns to play with Jacoby Brissett for nine weeks. If Watson gets a four-game suspension – then he goes to the Browns. Browns need a receiver. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, he's trying to revitalize his career. Deshaun Watson's trying to revitalize his career. Um, but the Wolf Fuller news has been super quiet. Super quiet. 
And oh, yeah. I was I, I was hoping to see him sign weeks ago because I've been picking him up in my dynasty leagues for I mean for nothing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and maybe they're waiting for an injury to happen. You know, um, unfortunately that stuff happens. Um, but you know, agents are trying to look for a good you know. And again, he's trying to get paid, and he's not going to get a long term contract from somebody. He's going to need a short term deal. So he's going to look for the best situation that can make him some money because it's been. You know, he had suspension. He had Miami. You know, did not work out. And it was after a great season. He had a great season in the Texans and then just you know, didn't pan out. So let's get, let's get to the rookies. So, Mike, you have two rookies. Let's just do them both together. You you got some – you got a type here. These are some tall, <laughs> tall, tall receivers. Yeah. First is the first – I went kind of high and low end. The first is the first receiver who was drafted in this year's NFL draft, Drake London. He was my wide receiver one coming into this year's draft class. Um I love what he can do both as a field stretcher and he's, like you said, tall, big-bodied receiver who could be used in the red zone. Uh, those are the two quickest ways to get quick fantasy points uh, is long catches and touchdowns. So I, I think he's suited right right away for that. And then outside of Kyle Pitts, not a lot of competition for targets at all. So he could nope. come in right away and get 25 to 30% of the targets there, I think, even as a rookie. Uh, so I, I love drafting him as like a wide receiver three uh, sometimes even as my four, if I go wide receiver heavy in a draft. And then George Pickens is the other one. And I like to joke on draft night that the Steelers sent out Chase Claypool to announce the drafting of his <laughs> own replacement. Uh, but George Pickens is big. He could be a downfield guy. He could be used in the red zone, similar to Drake London. And while everyone is, is like say hyping up Chase Claypool right now as a breakout, if he – loses playing time to George Pickens, which I think will be an actual camp battle. Uh, Pickens could be the player that we should all be getting excited for. And right now he's just a pure uh, afterthought in, in like best ball and redraft league. So go out and take your late round dart throw on George Pickens and, uh, and just hope that he beats out Chase Claypool. Yeah. We, we saw that they've Mike Tomlin's always had three receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were like, why did the Juju sign back? Why did they draft a receiver when they got Claypool? They had Martavis Bryant, and you know, if Martavis Bryant didn't have off the field issues, I mean, he was he started was starting to cook. So, I mean, they've they've utilized three receivers. Um, you know, obviously, there's the quarterback situation there with uh, Trubisky and everything. But I I love that Pickens call. Um, without you know the ACL injury, he I think he would have been drafted much higher. Yep. Um, obviously, some of the we'll call it off the field stuff, but there was also some on the field off the field stuff that got him. You know, he got like a fight in a game, and he scored water in someone's face or something a little immaturity but i think mike tomlin is the perfect uh head coach for someone like that he was he was able to keep antonio brown under wraps for years as soon as he left the steelers he was freaking nuts so um so ralph i mean i guess between pickens you know spraying water in people's faces or you got chase making tiktoks um i don't know who's i don't know who's worse well, and something I wanted to bring up. So a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't even know about this. Did you guys see the video last year where Chase Claypool, like, soccer kicked a guy in the face? No. No. Yeah. So, like, I am I'm, I'm, I was talking to Drew Davenport about the, you know, Alvin Kamara situation. And he talked about, like, hey, if there's a video, obviously that, like, has a kind of a shockwaves effect on, you know, how the, the pressure the league gets and everything. When you guys see it, you know, the Ray Rice situation, like that was horrible, you know, mm-hmm. and we saw it. There's no denying what happened. And so last year, Chase Claypool got into a fight. First thing, he like kind of backs up a little bit, but the dude's on the ground and we all know, you don't you don't do a dude on the deck. Well, he did, he kicked him. And then the guy like Chase gets like pulled away. And then, yeah, I can, sh- I'll share the video. He, uh, then he smushes the guys, you know, um, head in the in the you know in the cement it was just like a bar fight that started in the bar and then after and the, you know it, and it got some coverage like you know mike florio was talking about it on on uh you know what a pro football talk or whatever but he never got suspended never never got fined nothing happened and so alvin Kamara, they're talking about like a six game suspension at the least and it's like i don't know like there's no Dude. domestic violence there's no drugs it, it, it's nothing compared to that, but Claypool and Tomlin have uh, beefed a little bit in the past as well. Like, I don't know if you remember last year, the whole music thing where, yep. where Claypool wanted to play music at practice and Tomlin was like, 
you go run routes, I'll coach. Like, I'm the coach here. And that's why, to me, I, I understand the talent infatuation with Chase Claypool, but the Steelers went out and used a pretty prominent draft pick on George Pickens. Like, the, the fact that we're just thinking that Claypool is the wide receiver too and Pickens is going to be, like, a backup or something like that, I, they also drafted Calvin Austin. So, like, they were clearly yeah, prioritizing and, wide receivers yeah. in the draft. And I don't think that's a great sign for Chase Claypool. And you asked Sauce Gardner who the toughest receiver he had to guard was. It's Calvin Austin. You asked everybody at the Senior Bowl who was the hardest guy to guard. It's Calvin Austin. I mean, he's 160 pounds soaking wet. Big, big Austin fan here. It's the size is the only concern, but watching that guy play, oof, there's nothing to dislike about his game. It's clean. It's clean. He looks like he's gliding when he's running. He's, yeah. he, he's a phenomenal route runner, and he's there's a lot to be excited about there. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll share that Pickens video. Uh, Pickens, uh, the the video of Claypool on you know on Twitter because, like I said, I think a lot of people haven't seen it, and and you know it just for me it was interesting. But again, more off the field stuff with Claypool, and let's not forget Chase Claypool. It's not like he had like a great season. He had like four or five good games. Like he had like four touchdowns against the Eagles. Had like another two touchdown game, another two touch. Then he had like nothing. The rest, you know, it's not like yeah. You know, he's kind of a one trick pony out there. But uh, Ralph, you got you got two rookie receivers. You want to talk about? I do. Yes, I, I went a little bit deeper in there, and I, I picked uh, I picked Jalen Tolbert and and Chris Olave. Um, starting with Olave, I think we're going to see Winston throw the ball a lot when he plays a full a full calendar year. He averages 576 attempts per season. Um, now we're talking about Kamara, and we don't know what he's going to be, whether he's going to face suspension or not. There are some targets, a banged up Michael Thomas. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? We don't know what that looks like. So that really does leave a wide receiver core of Jarvis Landry, Marcus Calloway, Deontay Harris, maybe. I mean, it's, it, it leaves a lot of open field for Chris to come in there and just just take over that wide receiver room from day one. And so I'm, I'm really big on him this season. I, I could I could totally see him just having that, that immediate rookie impact. And I know we talked about it last week, but there's – you want to see rookie quarterbacks that are not fully developed take a step back and take a year to 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 learn the game to observe the game i feel like when they throw in wide rookie wide receivers into the league and they just say you know throw them into the fire i mean we see the success in there a lot more and and we've yep. seen it more recently where rookie wide receivers are producing mu- at a much quicker rate than any other position um so so you look at that and i think i'm i'm very excited about Olave this season and and Tolbert um we talked about that i mean i think Michael Gallup, it's it's known that uh, his his week one status is TBD right now. Um, he had a great senior year this last season, over fourteen hundred yards there, and and we're gonna have a healthy Dak. I mean, last year he was coming off from that from that terrible ankle injury, so a, a full on healthy Dak. We've seen the pictures of him working out with CD and and Tolbert. They're working out together. That he you know Dak called him on draft day and gave him the playbook. We're we're seeing a lot of this chemistry being built, and and, and the first two games. They're going up against Tampa and Cincinnati. So you damn well know Dak's going to be throwing the ball 40, 45 times. And 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 Tolbert's got a chance to build that from the very beginning and sort of get in the rhythm with that offense. And so um, the last two seasons also, when Dak has been healthy, he's thrown exactly 596 times. So you're looking at two high passing value uh, volume offenses in which these two rookies, I think, can make an immediate impact. Yeah, and if you look at Matt Harmon's uh, reception perception with uh, Chris Olave, um, pretty good. Uh, so, uh, Mike, uh, what are your thoughts on Olave or Tolbert? Uh, I want to draft more Olave because two things. One, if Michael Thomas sits out, sky's the limit. And yep. two, even if not, I, he could be one of those receivers that is fine even with decreased targets because he has always been an uber-efficient type of receiver, at least throughout college. So I, I had been not fading him, but I, I hadn't been like actively targeting him. But I definitely want to change that. Tolbert is a late-round pick that I, I like a good amount. Uh, Michael Gallup tore his ACL in January. Mm-hmm. January. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Michael Gallup until very late in the season, maybe if at all. Uh, yep. Probably, though, like November, December, which just means a lot of opportunity up for grab for somebody – to step up in the passing game behind CD Lamb and Dalton Schultz, and Tolbert is, uh, in my opinion, the best bet to do so. Agreed. Agreed. And so mine are, are probably the total opposite of Mike's. Um, this guy was drafted right after Drake London. That's Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, with Garrett Wilson, 
Um, he was my number one coming out. Um, people aren't as excited because he's now in the Jets, and you know, you kind of got the decision to make, like we talked earlier. Elijah Moore, him, you got Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios. Can Zach Zach Wilson, you know, can he actually do anything as far as you know, propping up any fantasy production? Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I just I like the talent there, and you know, Zach Wilson. I know he's definitely been in the headlines for some some reasons, but. Uh, you know, if Zach Wilson doesn't do it this year, the Jets are pretty loaded on draft capital. This could be a very interesting situation. Let's mm-hmm. say the Jets, the Jets absolutely suck, which is definitely not out of the realm of possibility. What if they're one of the teams that get a stud, you know, stud quarterback next year? No one's talking about that, and maybe I'm completely off my rocker, but it'd be a great situation for someone to come in there, one of these, you know, quarterbacks. If, if Zach Wilson regresses or looks, you know, looks terrible, it could happen. Um, you know, those GMs, they got their jobs to preserve as well. And it's going to be a loaded class next year. Um, but I do think Zach Wilson will take a jump this year. The things they've done on the offensive line, the things they've done to, to surround him with weapons. And I love the Brees Hall thing. You know, one of the best, best friends to a, a quarterback is a good running game. And so getting Brees Hall and Michael Carter there, that is a very good backfield. Um, so I, I, I like that. And then Sky Moore. Again, kind of the opposite of George Pickens. Um, but Sky Moore goes to a great, great landing spot. And we don't know who the number one is going to be. We can all make our projections, and we could all be totally wrong. You know, all th- the three of us could pick three different guys and maybe have the same chance of being right. You know, maybe Mike says Juju. And, Ralph, you say, you say it's going to be Marcus Valdez-Scanling or something. And, you know, at the end of the day, Sky Moore is, is you know, he's attached to Patrick Mahomes for a long time. So in dynasty, you're looking at a, a very good chance that he's going to be, you know, going to be a weapon for a long time attached to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I just, I like his game. I, I think he's someone that plays really tough, turns into a running back when he gets the ball, obviously the concerns about the small school. Um, but not only did he have volume, but he was very efficient with that volume, scored a ton of touchdowns, had over 17 yards a catch. Um, and he was, you know, he was a number one receiver, 94 catches last year. Yeah. So, um, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, he caught, you know, caught 50 balls and had 18 touchdowns. Like, no, he caught 94 balls at 16, 17 a clip. Like, it was pretty impressive. Like, what, yeah. what are your thoughts about those two, Garrett Wilson and Sky Moore? I, I like both of those calls. Garrett Wilson, uh, I, I, I love his ability watching him uh, in college. He was my wide receiver two, uh, well, three behind Jamison Williams, but he was like kind of up in the air. Uh, so two of the healthy guys. But I agree with what you said about Zach Wilson. I watched a lot of Zach Wilson tape from last year and all the physical talent in the world. Like he could make throws that very few quarterbacks could make. It just wasn't all there mentally as a rookie for him. So that is going to be what defines Zach Wilson's career. But like you said, all the pieces around him, the offensive line are better. And with Sky Moore, I really liked him coming into the draft. And my preferred landing spot was the Chiefs. So everything fell into place. The only thing I'm not crazy over with him is his uh, redraft price, at least in best ball. Like, having to draft him as a borderline top 36 wide receiver. I I feel like he's getting, because of the hype, rightfully so, Mm -hmm. getting pulled up. I would have liked it a little bit more if he was going more in like the wide receiver 40, 45 territory, something like that. 100% agree. The same thing with your rookie drafts. Yeah, I'm like, man, I would love Sky Moore at 110 or 111, but I do not love Sky Moore at 106. And like in some of these leagues, you got to pay that. Like, I'm hoping that someone takes Christian Watson and James Cook ahead of him so I can go get, you know, Sky Moore at the 11th spot or something. But in most of my leagues, you had to, you know, basically, you know, pay up. And so when you're paying up, there's just a lot more risk. And um, so I ended up with more Olave and more Jamison Williams than I did Sky Moore. Um, And, you know, pretty, pretty happy with those guys. Yeah. All right, so we little over little over the time, but we made it under an hour. Mike, thank you so much. You're always so kind with your time. I appreciate it. No, thank you guys for having me. This was a good time, and uh, I, I just enjoy getting to talk fantasy football with whoever wants to talk fantasy football. So thank you guys so much for having me. It was it was a really good time. Do you have any new articles coming out? Uh, I, I just had a new video drop on uh, the NFL Fantasy YouTube page, 25 breakouts. Uh, a lot of the names that we discussed today's show are included in that list. 
Um, I'll have coming up more in like late July, August, a lot more content over at NFL.com, NFL Network, all of that. Uh, and then also some on Rotoballer. And every Saturday and Sunday, you can catch me on SiriusXM. 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, Saturdays with Scott the King Angles, Sunday with Josh Hayes, all for Rotoballer. So uh, definitely check that out if you're, you know, bored on a weeknight, weekday, weekend day, and you want some fantasy talk. Yeah, make sure you guys give him a follow. It's Michael FF Florio, and if, uh, not FF, Michael F Florio, and hit that notifications button. Like I said, it's just, you know, one of my favorite things when you see what, what Mike's putting out. Uh, Ralph. We can follow you at Lobos, FF Den. Any articles or anything coming out recently? Right now, just focusing on my alphas of the week and kind of focusing on, on what I'm going to do there. Um, so, Mike, just for fun fact, on my on my Twitter every every week, I kind of do like my, my version of stardom. Um, and, and based on my Twitter handle there, Lobos, and I always just say, you know, my alphas of the week. And so it's uh, that's going to be ramped up and get to go here really soon. So I'll be talking about that very soon. And make sure you got – I think you got like three spots left on this best ball. Like – Let's fill this up. Let's fill this yes. up. We got like yes. three more spots on an underdog best ball. You can draft with, with Ralph and myself. We'll probably finish a lot faster than the current one we're in because it's going so freaking <laughs> slow. <will>. The dude <laughs> in front of me is averaging seven seven hours and 59 minutes on an eight-hour clock. Um, yeah, it's terrible. All right. Thank you, everybody. Give us a follow. Make sure you subscribe and like, comment, comment on the show. Good luck this season.